play them on the money line, and then roll it over every single time they win. Way out of here. Oh, goodness. The last seven games in which they've come in with rest have all gone under. For three, got it! Two and a half seconds to go. Plus 115, the price I paid for this, the I like it. Makes the catch at the 10, and he's in for a touchdown. This is Behind the Bets, the podcast. Welcome in to the latest Behind the Bets podcast. We are taping this on Wednesday, June 16th. Lots of developments in the association. My gosh, are the Clippers actually cursed? That was something I grew up with, with the Ron Harper, Danny Manning injuries. We've had some developments there with Kawhi Leonard. Also, Kevin Durant has an all-time playoff performance. Are the Bucks done? Not so fast, says the next guest, which is Brian Windhorse, who's the all-NBA insider, reporter, analyst, does so much for us. At ESPN also has a great podcast, the Hoop Collective podcast with Brian Windhorst. So check that out, because especially this time of year with so much NBA going on. But I'm going to talk with Brian about all the news that's been developing just today and in this postseason. It's been somewhat tough for odds makers and betters, although some of that's the fun of it, trying to beat the beat the market on things. So should be a, should be an interesting conversation for many of you listening. There's an, a, another postseason award that's been announced uh, live here in the interview, if you will, even though this is uh, posted later, tape delayed. But um, Brian always has excellent insight and information, and we're going to dive deep with him. Stop. Have a time. Time now to welcome in a frequent guest here on the Behind the Bets podcast. And I'm not saying we sent out the bat signal, but I imagine he saw a, plenty of others given what's transpired in this really so far just a half day in the NBA. You know, um, I did an interview this week for a magazine piece where somebody was talking to me about whether or not there was information that would come to reporters that could be, you know, valuable in the betting space. And I said, you know, not really. It doesn't happen that often. And a lot of times, as soon as we get injury information, we report it right away. But I have been chasing various levels of injury stuff, non stop uh since i did that interview and even now there's stuff out there that we can't confirm that is you know potentially series altering and i don't know what like doug i don't even know how you it's hard to even bet before i know you're supposed to want to get value get get information but the information is changing so fast i'd be afraid to bet before tip off even even though, you know, you potentially could find better value. It's just, it's too fluid right now. It's a crazy time. No, you're absolutely right about the headache that is the NBA, especially in the last couple of years with load management at an all-time high. I'll say this, you know, I, I liked the jazz last night and, and you know, we taped a segment for Sports Center that was supposed to run this morning, just a situational handicapping. I just didn't pull the trigger because the Conley uncertainty, but I should have, knowing that there was Kawhi issue, and I was talking to a guy who's a pro better, and we I just should have. That was kind of asleep at the wheel that time at, at, on my end. But at the time, sometimes you just got to play the average, like play the play the math. Like you have a better chance that he's out and that you're going to get a good number than you are like maybe eating some juice. So that's sort of the weighing of this. But I'm curious about your article because I met with the NFL when they first came to, the, to campus a couple of years ago before the season, like they do every year. And they had someone talking, telling like reporters and other media members, just like, make sure if someone approaches you about information and my whole thing to this, and I've said this a million times on the pod, but I'll say it to you because I think it's important for, you know, reporters and people who are new to the space when they when not you, but them interviewing you 
is that sports betting didn't just come along. Like it wasn't invented three years ago by the Supreme Court. It's been around forever. So if you are going to do shady stuff, you're not going to do it over the counter in a regulated market, i.e. Tim Donaghy, right? You're going to do it um, off the grid. So the increase in legalization is actually better for the NBA because in theory, as the expansion evolves, more states will have legalization and thus more bookies will be put out of business in theory in the substitution effect concept. And therefore there will be more bets and unusual wagering that's monitored. Otherwise this whole current like legalization has no bearing on the anybody who's doing unethical and, and, and shady behavior. Okay. So here's the thing, you know, I know that this is, you know, in football, the quarterback availability is everything. Uh, you know, I, I suppose there's other key players, like maybe the left tackle is questionable or, you know, the, um, you know, a key a cornerback or something like that. But obviously outside the, the quarterback, you know, all injuries, you know, they have an effect, but they don't have even a material effect, even um, even a running back compared to what a star player does. Right. So the NBA injury report is much more important to betters than any other injury report in, in my view, um, other than the quarterback, you know, if Tom Brady is truly questionable and you know, on Thursday that on Friday, they're going to call him out that could have value. Um, but that's rare in the NBA. It's not rare. Star players are on the, are on the border all the time. And the reality is even though the NBA has updated its policies and now requires teams to update their injury list more teams obfuscate, they just flat out obfuscate. Hmm. And, um, when there's obfuscation, there is the window for mischief and the money hasn't gotten high enough for the NBA yet to where they're worried about the betting market more than they are the competitive advantage. Um, they have not applied any, there's been a little, there's been two or three little fines to teams who have, um, uh, you know, played around with the injury reporting rules. I, I, I can think of two off the top of my head in the last couple of years, but generally they get away with it. So, um, you know, the thing about it is most of the time, not all of the time, I want to be clear, but most of the time on a game day, when a team has shoot around, uh, if a player is, uh, is questionable or even a game time decision, they usually know it's shoot around whether he's going to play or not. Um, and because they go through practice, that was one of the reasons why it was so stunning when Donovan Mitchell was a scratch from um, from game one of the playoffs against Memphis, because he had actually gone through shoot around that day. Hmm. And that's why it shocked the players so much. That is extraordinarily rare. Um, and so, you know, if a shoot around happens and a star player is in shoot around and he's questionable, there are dozens of people that know he did it. And obviously the information can get out. And um, in the NBA reporting space, we don't usually track really hard whether or not star players are available in regular season games, even if they're game time. Um, but obviously people do have, you know, the information is out there. And so that obfuscation that's happening, I mean, right now in the NBA, there's a handful of injury situations I know about where teams are obfuscating. I can't, I don't know for sure how much they're, you know, I, I'm, I'm using a, a big word because I don't want to say lying. Um, and sometimes there's gray area, Doug, there's nuance to injury. Sometimes you really don't know until you that facts it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Until the guy goes through the stretching routine and how does that hamstring feel? You know, sometimes you don't know. Um, 
But um, you know, the 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 game day injury report could go along. You know, is is there is movement? There was there is space in there for there to be mischief. And of course, um, but that's but I guess my point is that there's that's always been the case, even without the Supreme Court ruling. Like that's my point. Like legalization yes, but they is haven't actually cleaned it up. They haven't cleaned it up. You know, subst- right. you know substantially. But if you're going to do it, like you're not going to like Brian Windhorst is not going to walk into the ca- a sports book and make a wager over the counter. Like it's just I'm not going to. But other people might get the information that. Right. You know. So I, I yeah, no, no, I totally no. There's absolutely like Schefter and every sport. There's people, yourself included, who could behave inappropriately. I guess my point is it had nothing to do with legalization. It's just been going on. It could it could have been going on for decades. Um, but I was just I just want to it's a, I, I just. I've told the leagues that, and they're like, you know, that's a good point. So while it's always good to educate, always good to have preseason um, seminars or whatever, it's not legalization specific. Actually, legalization is going to be helping curtail it, right? It, going back to the, was it Bill Frieder, the Arizona State coach in the 1990s? Like, he worked with the NCAA by halftime. An NCAA official who had communicated with some sports books in Las Vegas heard about some unusual betting, and by halftime, Frieder was told about it and he yelled at his players in the locker room. Um, So like that it's the, it's because it's because the sports books are on the same side as the leagues. They want fair games and no inside. Yeah. In a lot of cases, they're they're, in some cases they're they contract with the, those tracking sites to, to do integrity for them. So um, if a few years ago, uh, actually, I think before the Supreme court case even went down, I was in London and I went to Sport Radar's um, setup that they have in London. Uh, integrity. I don't know. They have a fancy name for it, but it's where they watch the betting markets across the world for irregularities. And um, I sat with one of the guys who tracks the NBA, lovely guy. Um, and uh, he was showing me some, some betting pattern. And by the way, Sport Radar, I know they're a, a data company and, and that's their primary focus, but they also do integrity and, you know, they have some pelts on the wall. They've, they've nailed some major uh, scandals, uh, you know, not in the U S but in Africa and Australia, it's a lot of volleyball chicanery out there, Doug. Um, <laughs> really? But yeah, uh, I know tennis gets a bad rap, but yes, and, and Russian sure. ping pong gets his, you know, well, the... <laughs> you can speak to that. Um, <laughs> they, they even, uh, their big win was there was a, it was a, I don't remember the countries, but there was a World Cup qualifying match between two um, uh, African nations, you know, to try to qualify for the World Cup, where they felt that the uh, the goalie had been compromised based on their tracking of betting, and they they they, they let they started an investigation, busted them, and they actually forced the replaying of the match. Um, hmm. So that's. You know, so anyway, my point is sport radar is, you know, really serious about it. And I sat there and I watched and the guy showed me at times where there was some irregularities. One of them that he showed me where that like it set off a five alarm fire. And I remember I was at the game. Um, there was one time LeBron's last year in Cleveland. Uh, actually, it might have been Kyrie might have still been there. And they were playing a back to back. And the night before Ty Lu had said, hey, um, 
Love, LeBron, and Kyrie are not playing tomorrow. The game was in Oklahoma City. They're not going to play. They're, they're taking the night off. And so the markets reacted in kind. Uh, it, was a, it was a back-to-back, so there was no shoot-around and no injury report the following morning, which at the time was the, was the rule. And we get there for the game, you know, 5.30 or whatever for a 7.30 game. And it turns out, you know, Ty Lue comes out and said, yeah, we changed our mind. They're actually all three going to play. And obviously the, 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 the betting markets chain, you know, the, the people who got that information fast, you know, reacted and it, you know, created a five alarm fire at Sport Radar. Now this was genuine. There was no, there was no um, nefarious stuff. It's just their information had changed. Uh, sure. But he showed me, you know, the tracking. And honestly, they can't track non, <laughs> you know, they can only track the, the computers that are taking the bets on their network, you know, um, so obviously the more legit betting there are, the better integrity that you can have. hundred percent. And I've said it before and I say it on panels and people like look at me like all, like they just saw a ghost. I'm like, there's probably point shaving in college basketball every single season, just like there's probably insider trading in the stock market. It just doesn't mean you shut it down. You just have regulations and it's, you're always going to have, you know, unethical behavior in every industry. It just, you try to, police it but yeah given the money and all that there's maybe maybe not every single season in college hoops but let's not be naive like it hasn't happened it's not like it hasn't happened since whatever the last bust was right it, it goes on and the authorities don't bat a thousand so you just so, gotta like do what you can so we're sitting here on wednesday afternoon when is this uh posting yeah it'll post in you know in the next couple hours or so okay so I don't know. So somebody who listens to this on Sunday, I hope you're enjoying your weekend. You're <laughs> going to have more information than I am in this moment. But right now, Doug, we have a very interesting thing that's in front of the table on us with the NBA that I really don't think we've ever had before. Chris Paul is in the protocol um, uh, for um, uh, COVID. Uh, from what I understand at this point, and again, in a few hours, you know, some new information could come out. I could look like a fool saying this. He is vaccinated, but has had a breakthrough. Uh, he's had a breakthrough um, positive. And um, so he is COVID positive and uh, hope he's going to be okay. And so he is either going to have to wait a minimum of 10 days or have two consecutive negative tests. Now, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. He may have two negative tests by the weekend and be fine. But most players who've tested positive for COVID this year had to wait at least a minimum 10 days. And some of them had to wait even more because they were still symptomatic. So I'm telling you right now, I'm I'm telling you right now, if the Jazz win the, you know, or the Clippers, I guess, win games uh, five and six, Chris Paul's looking, if he has to go 10 days, he's looking at missing three to four games, depending on three games. And (laughs) <laughs> that I don't know what the numbers are right now for the Suns and what the numbers are for the Jazz, but you know you could hedge something in there and maybe have an advantage knowing that. Right. So the markets a lot of time. Okay. So we rarely do markets just like shut down, right? So for a brief period this morning, most books, not all, but most, took odds off the board and they said, "Let's just regroup here. Let's get let's get some information here." And before we hang a number. Now, the nice thing is if you're if you're a sports book, you're looking, it's not like Tom Brady chooses the Bucks and they were 60 to one and they're being crashed to like 20 to one. This is like minus 110 that was plus 130. It's not that huge. Like books never sweat out some of the favorites, right? Like the Nets and Lakers just stayed that way, even when the Lakers were down two games to one 
uh, or excuse me, we're, we're two, two with the Suns, like it just, or down one, nothing with the Suns. It, it just, the, 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 the entire liability in the pool is, it is what it is. So that dictates it more than kind of what happens on the court it, for most books. So right now we have the Jazz right now at minus 110 to win the conference. Now, obviously the Suns are into the conference finals, but we have the Chris Paul uncertainty. Now there's situations where he could miss, or if, like you said, the series goes actually seven games. Maybe he doesn't miss any games if he gets the back-to-back uh, negative test. So it, it is fascinating. The point spread in tonight's game, game five for the Jazz and Clippers really moved with the Kawhi Leonard news. Now you and Ramona, broke it that he was out tonight now it's since we've learned that it could be a torn acl and he may be out for the entire don't postseason. Think it's a torn acl but either way i don't think he's going to play in the postseason so again the postseason right so you guys had said he's out tonight maybe even the rest of the series or postseason but it looks like that's we were look we were legs. like you know a lot of times you report stuff you, you know the teams aren't coming out and handing you their complete report you're you're fighting and scrapping to get news and you don't want to you know you don't want to overshoot what you've got confirmed so here we are, and I, and I always talk about this because we hear about it in the NFL for so long, like the key numbers, right? Three, four, six, and seven because of the, obviously, units of scoring in the NFL with touchdowns and field goals. Now, in the NBA, obviously not to the same degree, but there are kind of key numbers. The most common margin of victory in the NBA the last five years, including the postseason, is seven. It's 6.6% of games. Now, just to put that in perspective, three is the most common number in the NFL, and that's uh, 102 so not quite the same, but obviously not a ton off. So in order of like most and least least common margins of victory last five years, playoffs and and, and post uh, in regular season seven, five, eight, three, six, four. So kind of like just that that range, which you would think like fouling, three pointers, all that kind of dribble outs, kind of like all that range, and they're all within they're all from five point six percent to six point six. So they're all kind of similar. And that's the that that I found it fascinating because that's the line move of the Jazz game, right? You went from two and a half ish to seven, and it's just like, oh, okay. So it's really yeah. hard, and and no line move is the same, right? If when when some of these dominant teams like the Warriors were twelve point favorites, and let's say Steph is out, then they go to like an eight and a half point favorite. That's not the same as a three and a half point move in this strike zone right. of key numbers. So it's just important for our listeners and everyone to learn. It's just like that's a huge move in my book. Obviously, I think it was going to get steamed anyway because the Jazz were in kind of desperation mode off back-to-back losses. Clippers have yet to play well in three straight games this postseason. And just the the, the zigzag theory, so to speak, would, would lend itself to the Jazz. But that's a huge move, and, and I think it's a much more significant move than people realize. And we're actually doing a segment on that tonight uh, for Daily Wager. So for me, I, I have to pass, but it's, it's Jazz or pass for me on this one. I, I will not take the Clippers. I can't bet into this. But I will say the Clippers are wired in a certain way. Brian, I'm curious to get your opinion. Like, they've had these types of games throughout the course of the regular season where it's just like some of these reserves just, like, go off, whether it's Reggie Jackson, Kennard, and, and, and they have this depth of shooting. And if Paul George has a, you know, his ceiling game, not quite like Kevin Durant last night, but sometimes guys have trouble playing alongside a superstar. In this case, it would be playing alongside Kawhi. Not that they are better without Kawhi, but one game, it may work, at least covering. I, I just think the Clippers do have the means to kind of just shoot the heck out of the ball and, and keep this within the number. I agree with what you're saying, but I just don't trust the Clippers for bleak. Correct. I can't take you the know, seven I just, I just can't. You know, the other thing is, is that Utah has a real home court advantage. You know, I, I don't think the Clippers home court advantage is that great. 
I mean, they're still mostly cardboard cutouts um, sitting there, at least near the court. So, <laughs> but Utah's home court advantage is real. So, you know, you're, you're building in the home court advantage plus not having Kawhi. So, and no Mike Conley and no Mike Conley should mention right. that as well. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the thing about it is, is that the Clippers have figured out that if they double team Donovan, I mean, and I don't, the Clippers game plan won't change. I think that, I think the jazz still have a, um, still have a, a, a challenge to, to overcome, but you know, you lose your margin for error. Uh, but I'm going to tell you like one, I'm, a, I'm sitting here right now and the, you know, the bucks are, are behind three, two in their series, but I'm looking around out there and I'm going to say that the, the old, you know, it was with, with Chris Paul's uncertainty at this moment, Milwaukee bucks is the only team whose stars are fully healthy. And I realize that they are an imperfect team. We have seen that in this series, but at the end of the day, that might matter for something, you know, I mean, and beat is limping. Trey young is, I don't know what's going on with his shoulder. You know, there's obfuscation going on there. He's getting his shoulders wrapped with, you know, some sort of, you know, I don't know if it was heating or cooling. I assume it was heating mid game, you know, right. he's got I a, assume he, that too. he's got a foot of, 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 uh, he's got five feet of God of, uh, ace bandage around whatever's on there and he had a terrible shooting game he passed the ball fine but he has worse shooting game in the playoffs and, and you asked nate mcmillan after the game what's going on with that he's like what i didn't even see anything on his shoulder you know bull you know so really um <laughs> i don't know like uh, i know it looks bleak for milwaukee right now but all their guys are standing i know they lost uh divincenzo for the playoffs to an ankle injury but i mean you know that's an ancillary piece uh everybody else is you know, Conley's down. It's an all-star down. Chris Paul uncertain. Embiid, Trey Young. It might matter, man. It might matter. So, so the so with all this news, the, the Sixers line has gone from six to seven. It went from six to six and a half to seven. I think that's crazy. I think Embiid's injury is noticeable. He, you know, McMenamin was reporting from the arena the other night saying that Embiid told him he would have dunked it if he were healthy. And the knee is it is what it is. So he's banged up. Danny Green's banged up. Obviously, you mentioned. Uh, Trey Young situation, obviously no Hunter as well. I still think seven's too much. I think the Hawks at 50 to one is worth the flyer to win it all because of what's going on elsewhere that you mentioned, whether it be the Western Conference with the Suns, Jazz, and Clippers all banged up. And uh, with the East, like we're not sure when Kyrie's coming back. We're not sure if James Harden can re-aggravate this hamstring injury. Let's not forget, this was an injury at the end of the regular season as well. So when he left game one within a minute, that was a re-aggravation of a hamstring injury. So there's just no telling. And obviously he wasn't the same James Harden in game four last night, or excuse me, game five. So I, I just don't trust the Nets necessarily. And this line's coming up. Now it's Bucks five and a half. <laughs> I mean, what do you make of all? I mean, do you agree that the Sixers should be able to bounce back? You talk to people well, within the, the league. Are you hearing anything crazy? Here's what I think is important when you think about injuries. It is now going to be every other day. You know, there was some, there was because of the nature of the, where this, of where the, the calendar was, there were some, some, some windows in here where the teams had two days off. Like Embiid had two days off to rest his knee between games two and three. And then he had one day off at games three and four. And I saw a huge difference the way he played in game four versus game three. Agreed. And it's every other day from now on. So I don't think Kevin Durant, I mean, you know, he is prone to getting injured because his, you know, he's got, you know, he's for a guy, his size, he's got, he's, he's a little frail, but he doesn't, he's never shows signs to me to ever be fatigued. So I'm actually not worried about him 
over getting tired. You know, there could be a repetitive motion injury. You know, you may be worried about tendonitis or whatever. But James Harden, like Steve Nash came out this morning and said, oh, yeah, James came through that just fine. And I was like, no, he didn't. <laughs> James Harden did not come in today just fine. The guy could barely move his leg, and he played 46 minutes. Um, he has one day off and which he's got to travel, which NBA players tell you um, traveling causes inflammation. Uh, you know, you see um, veteran players. Like in the first guy I remember seeing doing this was Shane Battier. Whenever the team had to fly the night after a game, which would have been, you know, going home after a road, you know, after a road game, they would always fly at night. Um, before he put on his suit or whatever, his going away from, uh, going to the plane clothes, going to the plane clothes were, he wore compression pants um, mm. because he said, my legs swell when I fly. And, um, you know, I saw older players starting to do that. So um, it's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's, it's a thing. So not only does Harden have to come back, but he's going to battle in, in, in uh, inflammation on a two hour flight out to Milwaukee. Well, it's a record now in the postseason. Eighth different all-star, Kawhi now, to miss a playoff game this postseason, and that is the most in NBA history. And obviously, wow. sadly, That's there could be stuff. more. Yeah, Malika That's Andrews tweeting that out. I saw it yesterday when it was – or the other day when it was seven. Now it's at eight with Kawhi missing tonight's game. And it's just it's just too bad. And obviously, the condensed schedule and all these sorts of uh, connect the dots, if you will, this COVID domino effect. But in terms of the uh, – you know, who's going to be the last team standing and healthy? You mentioned the Bucks, obviously, in the driver's seat, although they did lose DiVincenzo that you alluded to. Anything league-wide that you say, you know, let's not sleep on this team, although we only have a handful of teams left? Well, I have to say to you, like, how often in NBA history has a team been tied in a series in the second round and still been 50 to 1? <laughs> I know. You know, like, I mean, do I think the Hawks are going to win it? No, but you know, you're not going to get too many bites at the apple at 50 to one at a team with their, that made my head snap back a little bit. Um, I mean, I can't. That's yeah, 1.96%. So that's what it translates to 1.96%. So 2% essentially. Uh, now you like, just do you think that, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. 2 do you think there's win, more than a 2% chance the sun, uh, the Hawks win at all? Yeah, I do. But I don't think it's like 15%. <laughs> Correct. It's probably uh, like four, which or the books know right? as well. That's why they're, they're pricing it that way. But uh, I have to say that that is, you that is a unique uh, opportunity. And um, with all this uncertainty out there, like the underdogs benefit from uncertainty, you know? For sure. Uh, so um, the Hawks have a good team. I mean, I, I don't look at them and say classically, though, that's a championship team, but we're in a weird spot here. And let me just say, I see people starting to say this, and this isn't really a betting thing. This is more of a philosophy thing. People saying, well, this is an asterisk season. Ugh. No way, man. I mean, one of the reasons why it's so hard to win a championship is because it's so hard for everything to fall into place for you. Uh, there's no such thing as an asterisk season. Every championship has circumstances that you have to overcome. And because if you win and the other team has more injuries than you, that just means you were able to dodge the injuries. Congratulations to you. Enjoy your title. I don't, I don't like that bogus nonsense. If you, I have this saying, Doug, I'm, I, I've been saying it for years. I'll say it now. People will make fun of me for it and whatever, but when you win a championship, it means never having to say you're sorry. 
You're not sorry yeah. that the other, the other team got hurt. You're not sorry about that trade that you made two years ago that looked a little suspicious. You're not sorry about that coach you hired or fired. You're not sorry about this. You're not sorry about that. When you win a championship, it settles all scores. I thought the Lakers overpaid for Anthony Davis. I said it for nine months. And when they won, you know what? I had to take my hat off and say, guys, great trade. You'll never hear me say about that again. Never say you're sorry for you win. Never say you're sorry for an asterisk. That's bull. Sorry. I agree. No, you're 100%. I thought they didn't have to give up Josh Hart. I thought they paid too much as well. But they got the W. And things just worked out. And it's not their fault they didn't have to go through the Clippers last year. But maybe Denver was better than the Clippers. We always just assume, oh, they didn't have to go through the Clippers. It's like, well, maybe the Nuggets were better. And we learned this year that they're pretty good. And Jokic, you know, he's not bad either, right? The MVP. So I, I think teams that uh, fans are just always going to say stuff. It's lowest hanging fruit. But that's a good point. But the question is, where do we find these opportunities? How do we beat the market? And I, I like, for example, the, when the Kawhi stuff hit, I did lay 290 on the Jazz to win the series. I wanted a little protection in case the Clippers, um, you know, find uh, – go crazy tonight I just think I don't see the Clippers winning two of the next three games I just don't I think the Jazz are good enough even without Conley they have Donovan Mitchell although I'm not convinced he's healthy and that what's gave me pause to unloading on the Jazz last night at two and a half at least for a live middle or something like that but I, I just I just don't trust this Clippers team I think they're weak to begin with weak-minded um, but I think minus 290 is a, a buy for me and then they're minus 110 to win the West now I already have Jazz tickets from January, it's seven to one mm. to win the West and some twelve to ones to win it all. That I was expecting to play at it because the clip, the Suns were scaring me. But now we'll see what happens with Chris. Did you Paul, make but, public your other your recent Jazz player win? I won't. Uh, which one? You mean the um the one in January? No, you recently. I oh, the draft win. I thought you said Jazz win. No, yes, yes, we've no, talked about no, it. Oh, no, sorry, the Jazz win. A J- jazz. You, I believe you just cashed nicely on a Jazz. Something happened with the Jazz player. An award. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We had Tim Bontemps okay. on this pod, and we okay. did all the awards. I was actually going to repost that pod okay. from a couple months ago once LaMelo wins Rookie of the Year. He he has won it. That's, a, that's official? Yes. When is that going to be announced? In the matter of moments. Oh, wow. This is good. This is good stuff because we had Bontemps after his straw poll a couple months ago or whenever it was. It, forgive me on the timeline. And he touched on that. He's saying, yes, that's that's guaranteed. Basically, it's going to win. It's, it's obvious. And there was still talk about Embiid, and even Steph was getting some buzz. And then he that was when LaMelo was plus money. So I have some plus 180 there. And then Rudy Gobert, he was big on for defensive player of the year. And uh, the coach of the year is actually, we discussed it. And I'm an idiot for not betting Tibbs at like five to one or whatever it was the day of the taping. I need to go listen to that podcast Yeah, but you know again. what? I, I got to tell you, I did vote for Tibbs, but I didn't, I didn't come to... I didn't come to a uh, a decision on Tibbs literally until almost the very day, last day. But Gobert and Met Lamelo, I was on months in advance. I I mean, not maybe not months, but weeks and weeks. I had decided they were winning, and I was yeah. obviously not alone. No, no, I I wanted to just repost that because I was I just want to encourage people like you know don't listen to some of the you know whether it's first take or some of the radio takes and not just ESPN everywhere. Like the people like yourselves, you guys talking to voters and who follow the league daily and who talk to coaches, just you kind of have a better pulse of the league. So, well, Bon Temps MVP poll, which I have encouraged him to trademark. I mean, not actually with the, you know, but I mean, like to call it the Bon Temps poll, it's right. remarkably accurate because he does the legwork and talks to the voters and he doesn't talk to 15 voters. 
he talks to 100 voters. He doesn't just talk to 100 friends. He goes and like finds the, the, the people in Australia and the people in Italy and the people elsewhere who are given a vote. You know, he talks to, you know, and so I, I think his his straw poll on Jokic in, I want to say it was March, had Jokic getting after Embiid got that knee injury. Mm-hmm. He did it. And I think he had Jokic with 90 votes and Jokic ended up getting 91, you know, two months later. Um now, okay, obviously, had Jokic, you know, gotten hurt 15 minutes after the poll came out and missed the rest of the season, he wasn't going to win it. So, you know, <laughs> there's still things that can happen. But Bontemps straw polls are are pretty damn – their track record is pretty damn good uh, on the MVP. Yeah, and and he, we talked Lamella was plus money, and he said, look, he's coming back soon. And not that Tim talks in the language of – of the betting market and the plus and the might be like, look, I imagine he's going to get more buzz and then it's, the line's going to move. So I'd get it now. I mean, he said something along those lines and I was like, yeah, he was plus money and went off at like minus $7 when the season ended or something in that neighborhood. And then obviously Rudy Gobert. So, you know, we tried to do it for the people. So it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I am going to repost that, uh, that whole, um, that whole pod. So, like, so what did you get up? Gobert at? I know you did well on Gobert. I need to look it up. Cause I had a few plays. Um, I think like minus 400 or 600 or something like that. But I also did it. I got embedded that morning when we did it with bond temps. It was uh, like near the end of the season. You can kind of catch some books sleeping. And that's those listening. I certainly know that if you have multiple outs, some books are just worse at these awards or draft bets or just things like that, that are a little off the beaten path. And it's a lot of uh, they'll copy main markets but they'll copy a book that may have a huge liability on, I don't know, LeBron MVP. So they'll be slow to move Jokic because they have such a good position. Even if Jokic wins, right. They've take like the money hasn't come in at that book, even though it's a fair line, it just hasn't come in yet. So they're just slow on some of these off market or off the beaten path sort of uh, markets. And you just have to strike. And then when you have opportunities like this, like a bond temp straw pool, I mean, just to provide some context, the Heisman Trust or whatever it's it's called does not allow any of their electors or whatever they call them, the voters, basically to do any radio that week and say what you who you're voting for. Like picks were due that Monday, but like the or the Monday before, before the Heisman's announced on that Saturday, but no voter is allowed to talk about who they're gonna vote. They can talk about kind of like a broad in a broad sense, but they want it to be suspenseful come Saturday night. Because in previous years, a handful of years ago, some guy went and like figured it out, whether it be social media, other radio hits, and figured out who had won and kind of announced it. So well, they're very protective of it. The Heisman- but straw polls, they don't do that in the NBA. So we have a kind of a, a window to who's going to win. Well, first off, the NBA loves it. And the NBA wants there to be constant talk about their awards during the season. Uh, and by the way, a lot of times, when you think a guy has the, has the award won three quarters of the way through, something happens and he doesn't win it. So it, it you know, it might've worked out a little bit this year, but um, the other thing with the Heisman is I don't know how many votes there are right now, but I think there's over a thousand votes. Correct. There. Correct. There's a ton. Um, so even, I mean, I guess some guy could have like, you know, really worked hard and to track it down, but you know, it's hard to build a consensus when there's a thousand outstanding voters. Um, you know, when there's a hundred voters and if you're Tim Bontemps, you literally know probably 90 of them personally, you know, basically it's just Tim going through his phone, sending <laughs> out texts. Um, and, you know, it's not easy. He's got to hound people. He, I'm one of his best friends and he hounds the hell out of me, you know, 
who's your fourth and fifth? Because I'll send him three, but he wants who's going to be fourth and fifth too. Right. We do vote for five. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, I was doing this interview for um, this magazine the other day, as I mentioned, and um, there is a role in the media that's going to be created for somebody who can find value bets not necessarily i mean that's i guess that's what you do but you know you you're you're doing it over all kinds of different sports and you know but like there's going to be somebody who says my job is going to be telling you these value bets in the nfl this week and not who's pitching a service not who's like buy my service and i will give you the five value bets every single day where you got to come up with five where there's going to be a guy who's like, yeah, I might have one this week. I might have none. I might have seven. Um, that job is going to be out there. And for somebody who has like a, a sub stack or something like that, that is the new spot for where there could be some media stars. I mean, you're already a media star, Doug. You don't need to worry. <laughs> well, it's, it's a fascinating evolution. And I'll say this. I think that there's definitely like resentment or resistance is probably the better word of people who are already in the betting space when all this sort of tried to kind of, crossover if you will and obviously there was some pushback with me people didn't realize i had a betting background they just thought i was a talking head and trying to cross over but in general um i do think you can't just be naive and say oh no all the best bettors in the world were already in the betting space no as it became more mainstream and there's other people there's going to be people who had this knack and this understanding and and and, and aptitude who are now going to be found. Is it going to be a ton of people? No, but there will be people. And, you know, we've had guys like Dallin Cuff and for college basketball on this pod. Maybe he's the next guy for college hoops. We've had other people as well. Now there's a little bit of a, you know, difficulty with the position you were talking about, because like if someone's so great, they'll influence markets right away. And then it'll be just like a sudden move. And then they won't be able to get down as much. Or There's always going to be problems along those lines. But yes, I do think as this becomes more legal and mainstream, there are going to be people that will be sort of untapped prior to the legalization world. Like it just, you can't just have perfect uh, distribution of talent prior to it. Like, I just don't think it works. I think any, like anything we'll, we'll find them. And we've seen people's careers take all sort of twists and turns. Um, Stephen A was once a Philly, you know, a Philly beat writer. And then he became a columnist and now he's in TV. Like there's always people who take career pivots and hopefully we're going to find people, but you're right. There are other outlets, Brian, that have people dedicated per sport, right? Our last week's Hi. guest on the Behind the Bets podcast was JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel, who does a lot of NBA, basically does all NBA at, at VEASAN in, in Vegas, which is Musburger's operation. So there is going to be specialists, and then whether they get sort of catapulted, will time will tell. Well, I remember having dinner with you in a – less than glamorous Bristol, Connecticut uh, eatery five, six years ago. I don't know. Years Something ago. Something like that. And um, you describing the concept of middling uh, using live betting in NBA games. I'm going to be honest with you, Doug. I had no freaking idea what you were talking about then. And I, I really don't understand it now. I mean, I have a general idea of it, but, but like, I, I don't think I could actually do it. And, um, and that, that those types of strategies and techniques are now something that is really real. And it's, I think it's kind of cool. 
Um, and I don't know, I don't know where it's going to go, you know, like, I, I, I think it's laughable that all of these states are, are uh, starting legislation that doesn't include mobile betting. Um, uh, that's really crazy to me, but I agree. Um, and, you know, you're not going to make any real money not doing it that way, but, um, but, you know, it's, this is, this is a, this is a, this is a new real thing. Like I see people, you know, who are talking about Dogecoin and various other cryptocurrencies and whatnot and NFTs and whatever, you know, that the, the speculation there is wild because you're, you're, um, you're betting on things that, that have, you know, no underlying value. And I'm not looking to get into a philosophical discussion about that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I guess, you know, the, the dollar to, doesn't have, you know, its underlying value can be debated, but, you know, whereas you're talking about an athletic contest where there's um, because of uncertainty, you can find value um, and get returns that um, can be quicker than uh, than cryptocurrency. I mean, there's cryptocurrency people who are cashing in on stuff like this. And so I, I, um, I, you know, I, I, it's an incredibly exciting time, even five years ago, even three years ago, when I remember when the Supreme Court had its oral arguments and I said to you, Doug, I'm no constitutional attorney, but I think this is, I think this is, I think this is going to be a winner. Um, even from then to now, even though we're still in the infancy, it's been incredible. I agree. I'm actually very impressed with how, how quickly the leagues have moved in a very mature and kind of a fact-finding way initially, and then obviously evolving on all fronts. It's great for the industry, great for anyone who is in, in the betting space. And Brian, I'm excited uh, for what's going to transpire the next few years in the NBA, but also the next few days, because you're on the case. You're giving us winners. You're announcing winners for bets we made with LaMelo Ball. This is, this is awesome <laughs> stuff. But uh, I'm also looking forward to seeing you this summer, too, when you're out here for Team USA. Hopefully I can explain middling by then, by the end <laughs> of your stay. Uh, but it should be good. You and explained obviously it to me. It's not your issue. It's my issue, just well, for the record. <laughs> Brad Edwards, who I did college game day radio on for with with for like three years, he's been on this podcast a bunch. He had the best line that I that I use in such a passive aggressive way when uh, I've used it on Twitter too, and people just don't really appreciate it because they don't get mad enough. But it's look, I can only explain it to you. I can't understand it for you, <laughs> right. and it's just like go. basically you're dumb. <laughs> That's, That's what right. people say. That, no, hey, it, listen, it, I'll own it. I think. Well, well, no, 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 no. I'm not you saying that. That's the passive aggressive way. So Brian, we will get it. We will get it. We will achieve that when we hang out this summer, but thanks as always, man, really appreciate your time. I know you're super busy, especially on a day like today. And uh, I know our listeners do as well. Thanks Doug. Take care. Sounds to me like you guys, a couple of bookies. And that does it for this edition of the behind the bets podcast. Don't forget Brian's pod, the hoop collective podcast with Brian Windhorse, always available, especially great guests late at night, sometimes after some epic games. So you can have it really round the clock. So go check that out. Also the daily wager podcast weekdays post around noon Eastern or so. And, uh, you know, rotating guests, Tyler Fulgham, Joe Fortenball, and I all uh, have fun with that one. So um, plenty of content out there and plenty of games tonight just to uh, recap in case you missed the Daily Wager pod or even the Daily Wager show. I'm on the under in the Sixers-Hawks game. Passing on the Clippers-Jazz, but I am taking the Jazz in the series at minus 290, minus $3 or so. I just think it's going to be too much for the Clippers to win two of the next three games. But I'm just a little, little gun shy, like laying the seven tonight just because of that key number discussion I did earlier with Brian, but that'll do it for us. And we'll see you back here next week.